I love results. How many of you guys love results? Like if you can get through a book with a one-page summary, would you do it? Yes. If I can get through a podcast with a sentence, I would totally do it. People send me a podcast and it's like, hey, you look like you have a free hour. Let's watch a po- listen to this podcast for me. Just give me four or five sentences that will do it. Get the bottom line. I want the results. I like to get to the point as fast as possible. I don't necessarily want to spend hours at the driving range trying to practice my golf game. I just want to watch a two-minute video by Dustin Johnson and begin to play like Dustin Johnson. Uh, Don't give me hour-long classes on how to be better at relationships. Just give me the bottom line of the four things I ought to do in order to... You guys like this? You want just just cut to the chase. Get me, tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to know. Don't go all around. Just just get the results. You walk into the gym. You see the person with the six-pack. It's not me. And I I look at them and go, I want a six-pack. Do I just like go to that machine once and I'm good? No, that's what we want, though. We want the results. We want the end result right now. And this attitude works great. It's wonderful just to get to the bottom line of things until you decide you're going to play Legos with a five-year-old and you look at the instructions and you look at the picture and go, oh, that seems simple enough. It just, it doesn't look like that. And then you have to go step by step by step in order to get there. Or if you're assembling any kind of furniture from Ikea, if you miss step 2B and those, you don't know where those screws are, the whole thing is cattywampus at the end of it and the drawer doesn't shut right. This is what happens, right? That attitude works great. In many ways, I think we are in danger of coming to this text with that attitude. We read the fruits of the Spirit and we go, yes, I need to be more kind. And then we're like, I'm going to resolve myself to being kind and I'm going to go out. And then you pull up to this four-way stop sign down here and there goes kindness. That person just doesn't understand the right of way. Or maybe you don't. Or you think, hey, I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be more gentle in my interactions and how I talk to people, especially people who who disagree with me. I'm not going to lash out in my words. I'm going to be gentle. And then you open Facebook. And you have that post. And then gentleness is gone. I'm going to be, we try our best to be patient and joyful for a short time. And then patience runs out. Patience we don't have. You see what I'm getting at? Sometimes we, we grab onto these and say, I'm going to be more this. Three seconds later, we find ourselves at the donut table and self-control, the fruit of the spirit of self-control, is gone. It's important for us to realize that when we look at these things that Paul talks about fruits of the spirit, we're going to be spending the entire summer on this. Well, you will be. Uh, you'll be on the, the entire summer on this. I'm going to be gone for a while. It's important to realize that Paul's not giving us this list of commands saying that we have to be this way or else, you know, doom and gloom, you're going to hell. When you look at this section, our minds can't help but go, this is how we're supposed to be. And part of that's true. This is what will happen as you follow Jesus. But this is not Paul's intent to give us a command. These commands actually are these fruits of the Spirit come in this letter to Galatia and they come at this end of a long sustained argument that Paul has laid out. 
We like to focus on these and say, this is how we're supposed to be. But Paul has spent a good four and a half chapters leading up to this point on how actually believers are supposed to be living. It's not for us to just go out there and say, I'm going to do this. Paul says, no, there's a process to this. You can't just focus on the results. You got to go with the process. And Paul likes to make his points using lists. He does in Corinthians, he does in Ephesians, he does it all over the place. He likes to make his point using these lists. And these lists are by no means exhaustive. This, these aren't the only fruits that come from walking with Jesus. This is just a short glimpse of them. This isn't it. Like he does this in other places when he lists the spiritual gifts. It's different in Ephesians, it's different in Corinthians. They're each different in their individual context. So when you come to the fruits of the Spirit, you're not limited by this, nor are you told and commanded to do all of these. So over the next nine weeks, we're going to examine these gifts. But more importantly, we're going to see how these traits played out in the life of Jesus. And we're going to pick up the fruit, much like you do at, at the store. You pick it up and you shake it or you knock on it and you roll it down the aisle to see which way it leans, to see if it's perfect or not. We're going to look at these fruits and go, what does it mean to be like this? What does it mean to have goodness? What does it mean to have self-control? What does it mean to take on the fruits of the Spirit? But today I want us to look at, at, at the rest of Paul's argument so we can get a better grasp on what the fruit means. It's vital that we understand this. Paul is, not list, or Paul is listing out for us results of the life lived in the Spirit. He's not giving us the goal of the life lived in the Spirit. Do you know the difference between the results and a goal? It's subtle, but the, there is a distinction, especially, uh, especially when it comes to this. The goal, for instance, the goal might be this. You read your Bible for more days than you don't, so four out of the seven days of the week. That's a goal. The result of this would be maybe you know your Bible more. You've spent more time with Jesus. You, can't, you, you can go into saying, I want to know more about Jesus, and I'm going to white-knuckle this and hold on. Yes, you will end up closer to Jesus, but it won't be sustained. The best sustainable goal is to say, I'm going to read my Bible for four out of the seven days. That way, the result will be, I'm closer with Jesus. I've maybe memorized the chapter of Scripture or a couple of verses, or I understand a little bit more about what Brad's trying to talk about and his stubborn and stammering. I get it a little bit better. That's the, that's the result, or a different way, the goal might be to go running three days a week. That's a great goal for you psycho people who enjoy running. That might be a goal. The result of the goal would be eventually maybe running a 10K, a half marathon, or a full marathon, do you see? It's easier to take the goal and live with the results of the goal than to shoot for the results and fall short of the whole thing. It's easy, and so Paul is saying here, this, these fruits are results. They're not the goal. They're the results of the goal. The goal for Paul is for the believers in Galatia, uh, the, the goal for them from Paul is the same that he has for us today, that we would be rooted in Christ, in the freedom that Christ brings. And the result of that rootedness is that we would grow up like trees do and eventually bring fruit. You can't bring fruit unless you're rooted in the freedom of Christ. That's the whole point of Galatians. And so we drop in on this last part. However, in Galatia, there were some problems. 
And the problem stemmed from exactly what Paul is, is getting to here. His argument ends in these last two chapters. The problem that they were going through was that people had, had an issue with the fruits or the results of people's lives. They then started a debate. How do we bring about fruit? How do we bring about results? And there were several ideas, two of them mainly. Uh, the problem that one of them had was came from the group called the Judaizers. The problem that they had was when new believers came to Jesus, most likely they were not from Jewish descent, they were Gentiles. And the biggest difference between Jewish people and Gentile people was this issue of circumcision. And so you had people coming to Christ and worshiping Jesus. They were Gentiles, they were not Jewish, so automatically they were outsiders. And what the Jew Judaizers said was they need to follow a specific set of rules on how they're supposed to live now that they're with Jesus and now that they're following Jesus. And the rub came this way. There wasn't the Bible that we have today back in those days of Paul. They had the Old Testament or what we call the Old Testament, what they called the Jewish scriptures. They had that. They had the Torah and this was supposed to be a way of living. This was going to give them how they're supposed to live their daily lives. All that the people that came, all that they heard when they came to faith, the Gentiles, was that under Christ, they're no longer slaves to the Torah anymore, no longer slaves to the law, they are free. Are you seeing the difference here? Am I making sense yet? So you had two ways of living life after Jesus. One, in order to control, in order to make sure that you didn't start rebellion and go into spiritual anarchy, we're going to make you follow the same list of laws that Jesus came to destroy so that you don't go off into immorality. The other side, the side of Paul, says, no, 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 that list over there, that doesn't bring any kind of fruit. Freedom brings fruit. And so Paul and the Judaizers were at odds. It didn't sit well with the Judaizers, what Paul would say, that grace is there, that we live in freedom. And it didn't sit well with Paul that these Judaizers were coming in and stealing the gullible, we call them gullible sometimes Galatians, into thinking that the, the cross of Jesus made no sense. Essentially, what it boils down to was they were looking for a capacity of uh, both sides to fight the temptations of sin. So the rabbis taught this. In order to, to get rid of sin, in order to fight the temptations, there were two things that, that you were fighting. Okay, it's Hebrew time. It didn't get ta caught up on the screen, but you can, you can follow me. If you want to say this, Yetzer Tov. You can say it. Yetzer Tov. Okay, so this battle between temptation. On one side was Yetzer Tov. Tov is good. Yetzer is impulse. Good Impulse. You have the good impulses. Angel, the shoulder, right? With the angel's logo, the baseball team, okay? It's on this side. On the other side, you had Yetzer Hurrah. You want to say that one? Yetzer Hurrah, okay? That was evil impulse. So the rabbis taught that you have this temptation to do Tov, or you have this impulse to do Hurrah. Yetzer Tov. Yetzer hurrah. And they were trying to see how can we get or protect people against the hurrah? How do we keep people from sinning? And the Judaizers said, I got it. Apply the Torah. 
And it was a good goal, right? If we just do what the Torah says, we will not have impulses to sin. They wanted these new believers to stay away from immorality. And they thought that the law of Moses was God's moral guide to fight Yetzir Hurrah. But it didn't solve anything. And Paul talks later in Galatians, or earlier, that this only led to more evil impulses. It led to legalism. It, te- it made people jump through hoops in order to become Jewish. You had to, th- or in order to become a Christian, you had to become Jewish, which meant you had to be circumcised. And there was outright issues of immorality that came from them saying, you have to follow Torah in order to be, be a Christian. So the Judaizers thought that the law fixed both of these. And Paul thought differently. He goes, no, 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 no. The law is meant to show us how we've gone wrong. The law is meant to show us how far we're off base. For Paul, this wasn't a good option. Paul says the work of Christ and the work of the Spirit through Christ in our lives is how we stay away from Yetzer Hurrah and dive in to Yetzer Tov. Paul says, you want freedom? You want to stay away from the impulses that come from the evil side and lead to immorality? Stay to the side of good. Stay to the side of the Spirit. This freedom that Paul talks about wasn't meant to be an excuse to live their lives in spiritual and moral anarchy. This is what the rabbis were afraid of. They were afraid that people, if they didn't have a law, if they didn't have a code to follow, they would just do whatever they felt like. And this freedom would instead go up and then lead to immorality. But Paul says this freedom doesn't lead to immorality. This freedom doesn't lead to sin. This freedom leads to serving others. And so he gets to verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. This side, yes or tov, through the Spirit. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and in love. For the entire law is filled with one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out because you're going to be destroyed to each other. Watch how this breaks down. Okay, verse 13b. I think it's up there. Uh, Verse 13, it says, don't use freedom for the flesh. Don't use the experience or the excuse that you have God's spirit with you, that you're free from the Torah, to go do whatever you feel like doing. Don't do that. That's not what freedom in Christ means. Use it for love. Use it to fulfill what they're trying to get us to do. Use it to fulfill the Torah. Love is the summary command. Verse 14, and then in verse 15, Your flesh is seen when you fight and devour each other. Okay, do you see what Paul is saying? This freedom that you have doesn't mean that you can do whatever you feel like doing. It it says that later in the text. Don't go doing what you just feel like doing. You're still held to a standard. And this standard of living through the Spirit will fulfill everything that the law is trying to do. Only the work of Christ, Paul says, will bring acceptance with God, not the law. Following the law doesn't prevent immorality. According to Paul, it only encouraged it. According to Paul, it would bring more slavery, more death, like it always had. Only the work of Christ can bring freedom from sin and death, and only the work of Christ can bring the victory over Yetzer Hurrah. Paul says this in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you'll not gratify the the ways of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever it is you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This breaks down too, right? Verse 16, live by the spirit and you'll escape the immorality of the flesh. Verse 17, the conflict we have is between what? Flesh and spirit. 17b, the conflict prohibits you doing God's will. How do we do this? Live by the Spirit. If you look at the book of Galatians, this, this one's not anywhere planned on talking about, but if you look at the book of Galatians, there is more talk about the Holy Spirit in Galatians than a lot of the other books of, that Paul has written. This is probably one of Paul's first books that he wrote. And he's very high on what the Spirit can do because he has just seen it do something major in his life. And Paul's point is clear here. When a person lives by that Spirit of God, they escape the power of the flesh. They escape the power of the law. And instead of surrendering to the flesh, rather, it is a life lived in a constant surrender to the Spirit and what God wants to do. So let's review this because I need to. I need to figure out what we said, okay? They, there were two thoughts on the ways to produce fruit in the believers. One was to obey the law, doing rituals, and working for approval, and being a slave to the law. The other was to live your life embracing the freedom of Christ and live under the Spirit's control. So essentially they were faced with the choice. Controlled by the law or controlled by the Spirit. And for good measure, Paul lets them know what it looks like to be controlled by the flesh. Here's another list. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality... Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who do that will have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. This list is listed elsewhere. It's not a one-off in Galatia. You can find a list like this in 2 Corinthians 6. You can find a list like this in Ephesians 4. You can find a list like this in Colossians 3, 1 Timothy 6, and in Titus chapter 3. This list is, or these problems in Galatia are not just focused on what's happening in the church in Galatia. These problems are what we would say church-wide or Christianity-wide. Problems not isolated. The problem is also not isolated to the time back then. These problems are around today, right? Look how the church is perceived. We're perceived as hypocrites. We're perceived as hateful. We're perceived uh, as having dissensions and factions and divisions and arguments. We're known for what we're against more than what we're for. We chase after selfish ambition with influencers and celebrities. We have jealousy in our midst. We have our own sense of spiritual anarchy where we go on gratifying our own desires. We, eat, or we, we do whatever we want without even thinking what God might think of this or we just don't care and so we find a way to justify whatever culture tells us is right or wrong. We've fallen into idolatry. Not all of you, but the church in general, we've fallen into idolatry. Instead of following Jesus, we follow politicians or social causes or, or, or events or hashtags or uh, social media influencers. And we allow those people to shape our faith more than we allow Jesus to shape our faith. And so we fall in the same stuff that the Galatians have fallen into. We preach the latest bestseller 
or, or news article before we even preach the scripture. This is happening all the way through around. We have the same problems. Immorality is still here. We don't even think twice when people are sleeping with their boyfriend or girlfriend before they're married and ignoring God's intention for sex. We wouldn't even think twice about that. There's a rampant porn addiction inside the church, and we don't talk about that either. The church is going through the same things that was happening in Galatia. What's happening then is what's happening now. We've settled, many of us have settled for the life of the flesh, saying, oh, that's just the way it is. It's a good thing I've got grace. I'm free. No. Paul says, stop it. Half of Paul's letters are, don't do this, stop it do this. That's the outline for all of Paul's letters. In the middle of it is a stop it. What's happening in Galatia is Paul saying, stop doing that. Knock it off. Live by the Spirit. Don't live by the flesh. Why? Because when you live by the flesh, all that you will see in your midst is division after division after division. And if you look at the church, we're finding ways to divide whether it's dividing on whether we, what, we, what we believe about COVID, whether it's dividing what we believe about who, not, who is or who is in the White House, whether you're vaccinated or not, we're finding issues to divide over. It's because we're walking by the flesh and not being led by the Spirit. And we wonder, we wonder why people are walking away from Christ. It's because there's no fruit here. They're looking for something. They're looking for something real. They're looking for something that tastes good. They're looking for something that's nourishing. And they come to the church, and instead of of finding that, they find fights. Instead of coming here to find uh, the truth of Scripture, instead of coming to the church to find the truth of Scripture, they find something else. And because we're missing the life in the Spirit, so are they. So how did it get this way? Paul says it this way. Paul gives us a clue in verse 16. He says, so I say, so when Paul says that, he's kind of like, hey, this is what's happening, so I'm going to tell you to do this. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Another way of translating this is keep in step with the Spirit, and then the flesh won't even appeal to you. Uh, growing up, I remember playing this game when I was walking with my parents, and, and I would, maybe you've done this, maybe you do this now and with you as an adult, but when you're walking with them, you try and match their stride, right? Have you ever tried to do that? My mom is this tall, and so I was able to match her stride when I was five, uh, okay? And so that was fun. She took shorter steps. Now when I try to match her stride, she's watching, I have to do this, but take small steps. And so matching her stride was easy. My dad walked so fast, And so when I was a kid, trying to match his stride was extremely difficult, whether I was walking behind him trying to, you know, keep his footsteps or walking beside him trying to match his quick feet. This this was difficult. But finally, when I would get it, when I would match it, it would be fun. We would walk. He would try to play a game and do zigzag on me. It was awesome. I felt connected to him. However, something would always happen. I would be, we'd be walking across the parking lot and I would see something. I, 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 I wouldn't pay attention to the, con, to the speed of his walk. Uh, sometimes I would walk into those parking stops or I wouldn't step over them. That still happens today. But I, I would be distracted and my gaze would go away from what my dad was walking and I'd be looking over here and then all of a sudden I was off and I'd lose it. And my dad started every sentence with, well, he's from the Midwest, well, where'd you go is what he would say. Where'd you go? 
You're not walking with me anymore. You've lost your step. This is the picture of what I get, what Paul is saying here. He's saying, keep in step. He's saying, hey, where'd you go? Where'd you go? You've lost me. You started chasing everything else down. You started going along with what everyone else is teaching. These Judaizers, where'd you go? You're no longer keeping a step with the Spirit. I'm going left, right, left, right, and you're going right, left, right, left. You were off. We're not walking very easily right now. So Paul says, in order for you to get back on track, you need to start paying attention again. So where did it go wrong? The people in Galatia started to follow after the various teachings of the day, and they were pulled away from the teachings that Paul gave them when he was first there. If you keep in step with the Spirit, Paul says, you won't have to worry about the flesh. But if, you keep in, but if your eyes are elsewhere and you're looking at other things, and you're concentrating, and you lose focus on where the Spirit is leading you, where Christ is leading you, you're going to fall down. The flesh is going to find you. You don't have to find the flesh. It's going to find you. For Paul, walking with the Spirit is something in this, in this book of Galatians that begins at the moment of conversion. When you say yes to Jesus, at that moment, the old way of walking leaves you. You have been sealed with the Spirit. You have been gifted and called. You've been given, uh, there's a whole list of things that you've been given, but you are in the Spirit at that point. And then you begin to learn how to walk in a way that matches what Jesus does. Now it's not going to happen all at once. You're going to have to learn the steps. You're going to have to learn the cadence. You're going to have to learn it, and that's okay. But sooner or later, your life and your steps will match what the Spirit is doing and where the Spirit is leading. And the more you keep in step with the Spirit, the more fruit will begin to show. It's not about doing the fruits. It's not about living your life with the it's not about living your life in a certain way that you become more gentle. It's about living your life with the spirit connected to Jesus so that the fruits will come naturally. It's not forced. It's not gripping on for dear life hoping for some results. It's a natural overflow from what Jesus is already doing in your hearts. Fruit will come, but it only comes as you're connected with Christ. What's that? That's what Jesus says. He says in John 15, 4, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine, in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to be more gentle, self-controlled, patient, kind. This is the goal for the summer. If you want this kind of summer bod, where does it start? Jesus. Connect yourself to Jesus. Allow his spirit to mold you, to transform you, to shape you into the tree he wants you to be that will bring forth the fruit for the people around you. So how does it work? The goal isn't the fruit. The goal is Jesus. Through the power of the Spirit, you'll bring fruit. This summer, the fruits of the Spirit, it's going to be an awesome series. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear from some of my friends about the various fruits. Some people, like Stephen, are going to talk. He's going to get on the other side of the soundboard. It's going to be awesome. 
But remember, the only way to achieve fruit is by being rooted in the soil of Christ. Paul talks about this earlier in Galatians. I pray that you are rooted deep within Christ. That way, when your tree grows, you will bring forth fruit. So here's some ways that you could be rooted in, in Jesus. And we've talked about this before. It, it seems like it's on repeat, right? Read this. Spend some time in the scriptures. Five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, hour a day, 35 seconds. You want to be rooted in Christ? Read his Bible. You want to know what Jesus says about a situation? Read what he said about the situation. You want to know what God is like and how, how to bring forth fruit? Well, see what God is like. This is the best way to find out. You want to be connected with Jesus? Talk to him. How's your friendship with that friend of yours that you haven't talked to in 20 years? Not good? Right. You want to be a friend to Jesus? You want to know which way he's stepping? You want to know which way he's walking? Start praying. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Something. Talk to him. That way you learn his rhythms of grace is what Eugene Peterson calls it. Learn how he steps. Learn how he walks so that you will bring forth fruit. The goal of the fruits of the Spirit is not the fruit of the Spirit. The goal of the fruit of the Spirit is Jesus. The results are the fruit. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that through the cross, through uh, his death and resurrection, you, you have given us your spirit so that we might walk closer to you. Your spirit comes beside us, encourages us, convicts us, shows us where we've gone awry, shows us how to get back on track, comforts us, gifts us, gives us words to speak at various points to various people that bring forth fruit. So Lord, may we stay connected to you, the vine, so that we would bear fruit. May you, like you say in John, take away the branches in our lives that don't need to be there. So the result would be more fruit. Jesus, we thank you for the promise that you're with us and that you want to work within us to bless the world around us. In Jesus' name.